Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. You're very welcome to the Signpost webinar, uh, which is brought to you in, in association with uh, Dairy Sustainability Ireland, Food Drink Ireland Skillnet, and National Rural Network. This morning, I'll be joined by I'm being joined by uh, Alan Dillon. Alan is uh, the Dairy B500 campaign manager uh, with uh, Chagask, and Alan will be uh, helping me with the questions. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Good morning, Pat. And we're delighted to be joined by Maeve Henshin. Maeve is the head of department at the Agri-Food uh, Business and Spatial Analysis Department uh, based in uh, Ashtown in, in Dublin. Maeve, you're very welcome. Morning, Pat. You're going to be talking to us about the bovine project. Uh, would you give us just a, an idea of the scope and the, the, I suppose the purpose of, of that project before we get going? Yes, uh, well, bovine, and I'll say a little bit more about it during the actual presentation, but it was a three-year project that was funded by the European Commission basically to help us to uh, come up with solutions to the sustainability challenges that are faced by beef farmers across Europe. Uh, so we were 18 partners across Europe funded for three years uh, to the tune of two million to, to deliver on that. So the project is just finished. Uh, it's just finished there at the end of December. Um, but we have a lot of resources, I suppose, that are available and will continue to be available for the next five years through our website and Knowledge Hub. Um, and there are kind of key contacts there that are available as well. So I suppose that's the purpose of today's webinar really is just to, to flag these resources that are available and to, I suppose, make sure that they're available because um, I suppose really what, what I'm trying to do is, is sell something that's free. And <laughs> I suppose cynical people out there might say, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense but actually you know that is my job as a researcher I want the work that we've done to be used um, and I suppose that's that's why I'm here today. Okay so I suppose what I'm going to talk about today briefly is I'm going to explain a little bit more about what bovine is and then I'm going to explain what uh, sustainability means to European beef farmers as identified by themselves and then I'm going to talk about how bovine resources can be used by farmers, advisors, lecturers or anybody else indeed kind of who are, who's involved in the beef sector in uh, Ireland and Europe to address the sustainability challenges. Um, so I suppose the overall context to the um, project initially was that, you know, the, the beef sector is an important sector. Uh, we know it's important in Ireland, but, you know, this was a European funded project. So it is important from a European perspective as well. There's a lot of specialised beef farmers. There's a lot of cattle. There's a lot of kind of industry involved in slaughtering it and producing beef. And obviously in terms of kind of hard cash, um, it contributes a quite a significant amount to agricultural output, but also just generally in terms of a significant 30 billion uh, euro uh, sector. Uh, but the sector is facing challenges, uh, which many of you are well aware of. Um, it's low profitability. Um, many farmers who are involved in the sector are reliant on income supports through the Common Agricultural Policy. Uh, it's associated with greenhouse gas emissions, uh, challenges with regard to water quality and societal concerns with regards to animal welfare. Um, but also, as all of you probably very well know as well, you know, that's only one part of the picture. Um, we know that livestock are are an important part of a sustainable food system and that beef, the beef sector um, has a role in terms of food security, 
in terms of human health. It's very important in terms of regional development. Um, and it's increasingly recognised it's for its importance in terms of circularity and the link between crop and animal production to ensure circularity, uh, contributes to ecosystem services and the EU beef sector, and particularly the Irish pasture-based beef production system is recognised as the most carbon um, efficient globally. But you know, in the in the background, we have uh, policymakers, researchers, scientists, industry, civil society saying beef farming must become more sustainable. But we also know that farmers are very willing and engage, able to engage. But I suppose they're not quite sure what does that mean for them. You know, what does it mean to become more sustainable? What changes do they need to make on farm? And I suppose you know more broadly, what supports and policies are required um, to help them in that regard. So that's really where bovine came from. It said, you know, let's look at this a slightly different way and let's ask farmers, what do they need? Let's not get, you know, bogged down in what does sustainability mean? But, you know, farmers know very well themselves what's needed uh, to, to have a viable sector into the future. So we started by asking farmers, what do they need? And then we said, we will go and look for those solutions for you. So we got funded for this uh, project, which had started in January 2020. We were lucky we were able to have an in-person uh, kickoff meeting, which we held here in Ashtown and in uh, our research centre in Grange. And it involved 18 partners across nine, nine countries. And we got the two million euro for three years. Um, but if you look at the countries that are represented there, Ireland, Belgium, Germany, France, Estonia, Spain, Portugal, Poland and Italy, you know, you'll have an appreciation that obviously we had diverse production systems involved um, in, in terms of representation within the, within the consortium. We had countries for whom um, beef, beef was very important. And then we had other countries where I suppose the beef sector was smaller and, and I suppose more emerging. For example, Estonia. Estonia has quite a small beef herd, but it's a quite a rapidly growing um, herd there. Um, and I suppose the approach we took was to take a very much a holistic view of farming systems and the socioeconomic environment. But it's very much so we looked at, you know, the economic, social and environmental aspects of sustainability. But we were very much focused on having innovative and practical solutions at farm scale. This is, was not um, designed to be a research project. It was designed to gather knowledge and innovations and solutions, but it wasn't undertaking research um, per se itself. So it was very much focused on bringing solutions into practice um, on farms. Um, it took a multi-actor approach, um, but you know, involving vets, farmers, advisors, input suppliers, um, and uh, anybody else that you could think of there. But I suppose that the main point is we, we focused on farmers. They were at the center of what we were doing, and we wanted to make sure that we were asking farmers for their needs. And I suppose just to you know, use some of the jargon that's involved in EU projects, we were very focused on grassroots needs. So we, we we wanted to identify those. And once we identified the grassroots needs, the, the project then was supposed to come around and, and to develop solutions to them. So how did we go about this? Uh, well, we talked to farmers across the, the member states and we, I suppose, you know, when you ask them what are their needs, that's a very broad question. So we put that within the context of four thematic areas, which broadly map onto economic, social, and environmental sustainability. So we had, um, um, socioeconomic resilience, which obviously covers off on the economic bit, with environmental sustainability, which covers off on the environment on the on the environmental bit, and then we had animal health and welfare, which obviously uh, covers off on the social bit as well, and with production efficiency and meat quality. So the, those four themes, as you see, would map onto economic, social, and environmental aspects of sustainability. 
And we had a quite um, a systematic process to identify these grassroots needs. Uh, we appointed what we called network managers across each, each of the nine member states. And these are people who would be interacting with farmers on a day-to-day -day basis and would have an understanding of, of the needs of farmers. But we also had regional and national meetings. And many of you might remember uh, some of these meetings that we held in Ireland um, with our partners, uh, the IFA, who were, they were our partners in Ireland on that. So we had a number of meetings where we invited farmers to to talk to us about their needs. Uh, and then once we identified those needs, we tried to, I suppose, refine them. Um, and then we had to prioritize those. And we did that um, in a very structured way. And as I said, when we kind of were making those surveys and the voting, we want to make sure that we had uh, various perspectives involved in that. So when we brought it to what we call our General Assembly, which is all the, all the partners, we had you know, the, the, the farming re representative bodies, we had the advisors, we had the researchers, they were all involved in, in making that prioritisation. So each year then we had what we call eight priority topics, um, and there were two for each of the four areas that I spoke about. Um, so I suppose it's just to, I suppose, explain how, how we collected um, the needs and, and how we organised those according to each of the priority, each of the thematic areas. And look, the, the, we spent a lot of time asking farmers what, about what they wanted. Um, so in total, in 2020, we identified what we call 96 grassroots needs. We identified 87 in 2021. And I suppose it was less of a focus for us in 2022 because we knew we wouldn't be able to respond to those needs in 2023. So I suppose we, we, we kind of didn't put as much effort into it in 2022. But I think there's a, there's a very valuable resource there. And we've captured all of those in what we call a grassroots needs register. And they're available on the Bovine website. So just to explain why, why we think that might be useful. We've, you know, all of those grassroots needs have been identified by farmers as, as required to address the sustainability challenges that they face. And I think if, if we can look at those needs you know, and respond to those, we can stimulate the adoption and long-term durability of effective solutions. And I suppose we can think about how can we find common solutions and how can we facilitate collective learning across Europe? And I think it should be able to stimulate ideas for other projects as well. So if we can, if we look at those needs, these are needs that have been identified by farmers and if we can develop a project to address those and has the evidence that these are our challenges identified by farmers and um, it should it should enhance the, the probability of success of those projects so that's just one of the outputs that we produced uh, within bovine that we think should be useful but obviously you know identifying needs is only you know that that'll only bring you so far you have to do something about it so that's what we did in in um, bovine is we responded to those needs so i'm going to bring us through, I suppose, two sets of those um, responses in, in, in a moment. So just, I suppose, to explain a little bit again, I just want to show you here, these are our four thematic areas. Each year we identified two, uh, two grassroots needs and we did that each, each year. So there were 24 grassroots needs. Our priority topics, sorry, um, responded to in total. And you'll see some of those there that, you know, would be of, of relevance to all of you, I'm sure, on the socioeconomic resilience. You know, we're talking about tools and strategies to manage price volatility and cash flow. Um, and in terms of, say, production efficiency and meat quality, we're looking at animal monitoring tools in the fattening phase. So they were the, the ones. But I'm going to bring you through um, the, the grassroots needs in relation to animal health and welfare and environmental sustainability um, shortly, just, I suppose, to illustrate 
um, how the bovine resources can be of use to you um, in trying to identify those priority topics, which, as I say, were, were identified uh, by farmers. So the approach we take when we're trying to identify a solution is we took a dual approach. Um, so we've, we spoke to farmers, as we said, and they said they have a problem with whatever it was. And then we took two uh, approaches in terms of trying to identify solutions to those. So if you look along the top, we identified what are called good practices. And these are solutions that were put into place on farms across Europe. And how we identified those was through our network managers. And there was one network manager appointed uh, for each country across um, our across Europe. So they went out, they spoke to their farmers, they said, how do you deal with this problem? And that's how we came up with what we call good practices. On the, along the bottom, then you'll see what are called research innovations. And this, these are, um, they were identified by, by what we call thematic working groups. So across each of the four thematic areas, we had an expert who established a team to identify uh, solutions from research. Um, and these are, I suppose, solutions that hadn't yet been put into practice on farm, but were identified as something that would have potential to be implemented in the short to medium term. So we had two, two routes to finding solutions uh, to the problems that were identified by farmers. So as I said, the idea was that we had solutions from our network managers across Europe who were very much in contact with farmers on a day-to-day -day basis. And then, and each of those was were, were had there were particular responsibilities. It was a particular individual assigned responsibility for that. And you can see Kevin Kinsler there in the middle. He was our, our Irish network manager. Then overlaid across that, we had the solutions that were coming from the thematic working group leaders. So very much trying to blend different sources of knowledge together to come up with the solutions uh, to the to the farmers' needs. So as I said, I'll talk you through two of the thematic areas, um, just I suppose to give you a flavour of, of the resources that are available and, and how they might be used. Um, and the slides here are from Alexander Rieck from FLI in Germany, because he was the, the um, person who was responsible for this particular thematic working group. Um, so the, across the three years, these are the eight priority topics that were identified um, for bovine to work on um, as a result of talking to farmers. Um, so I'm going to particularly focus in just on two of those, just to give you a sense of, of uh, the resources that are available. So I'm going to talk about determining cause of lameness in beef cattle and talk about simple lab labour saving tools to measure and communicate high animal welfare standards on beef farms. So if we talk, if we start with the determining the causes of lameness in beef cattle, and uh, one of the solutions we came up with was um, infrared thermography for diagnosing um, lameness. Um, as many of you know, lameness is a problem that affects productivity and profitability of beef cattle farming. And we know that if, if an animal is lame, they will have a, a warmer foot. Um, and that indeed, if you can, if you can identify that beforehand, um, it, it can help to um, rectify the problem fairly quickly. And that, that heat can be detected using infrared thermography. And one of the benefits of that is that, that it's non-invasive. Um, it doesn't involve um, any pain or anything for the animal. And as I said, it can even be used to detect subclinical um, signs um, and, and, and uh, the problem can be addressed sooner rather than later. So it has been used in dairy cattle, but its use in um, beef cattle hasn't really been that prevalent. So what we did was we got the, the technology we and, and we, I suppose, used it, uh, two different cameras and compared how they worked. Um, so this was particularly done in Germany. 
And what they found was that the infrared was, was useful to diagnose uh, lameness early and to clarify any, any, any suspicions. They did identify, I suppose, a challenge in practice is that, the, you know, the camera does need to be quite a short distance from the animal. And they identified some useful conditions um, under which it, it, to, to get optimal um, um, use of the camera. So, you know, using an animal on a, a, a a flat floor, not on straw, being at most two metres from the animal. Um, it might be necessary to tether the animal and it's often useful to, you know, have, have another leg as a comparison uh, to be able to see is is um, is there something different about, about the leg that you're looking at. So that they were the what they came up with kind of there. So um, if you if you want to know a little bit more about it, you can scan the QR code there. But also I would recommend that you look at the Bovine Knowledge Hub. And what we have there is there is an article, um, just kind of a text-based um article with various images and links back to literature um, for those of you who want more scientific um, explanation um, and evidence around that. But there also, um, we have two demonstrations of how the camera was used in two different countries um, and videos and pictures there. And I'm sure you're all very well aware that farmers and advisors, they like you know, audiovisual material. And that was a particular brief of the project that we wouldn't just be producing, you know, fact sheets, which are very useful in their own right, but because we wanted to, I suppose, um, to demonstrate the, these, um, the application in practice and, you know, the challenges and the, the ways of doing that. We were very keen to have videos and pictures. So there's a, there's a lot of resources available on, there, on that, um, on, on the Knowledge Hub. So moving on to the, another topic under the animal health and welfare, the uh, simple labour-saving labor tools to measure and communicate high animal welfare standards on beef farms. We took the particular um, example of uh, bovine respiratory disease and looking at on-farm scoring and on-farm scoring system for that. Um, and I suppose, you know, this is particularly relevant for feedlot cattle more so than, than animals are, that are at pasture. Um, but it's just, I suppose, again, it's just, it's just, this is just for illustrative purposes. Um, so we know that uh, BRD obviously has a ne negative impact on daily gain and carcass weight. But what this, this solution is, it's about a scoring system that's very practical and simple, built into an app that can help to identify uh, whether BRD is prevalent or not. And therefore, I suppose, to put management um, resources and, and interventions in place uh, to, to address that. Uh, so there was, we identified that a, a BRD scoring system had already been developed at UC Davis in the United States. And it's a very simple system based on six clinical signs. And there is a score given to the animal based on, 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 the, on those um, six clinical signs. And as you can see on the right hand side, you know, they're very, very simple, no cough or a spontaneous cough. And there's very um, explicit photographs there that can help to identify whether we know the animal is, is positive or negative or gets a score of one or four or whatever. So it's a very simple, simple system. So that was then built into an app um, and this app is, is available um, and is being used. And, you know, the farmer can just, you know, say whether there, there is, um, you know, nasal discharge or eye discharge. And then at the end of the day, they know whether there is a BRD score, positive or negative. And uh, obviously if there's a negative score, they're happy. And if there's a positive score, they know that they need to take some action, but it's a very simple uh, tool. 
And again, just for those of you who are interested in knowing a little bit more, we have an article linked back to the literature and the scientific evidence around the, 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 the science behind the, the innovation. And then there have been two demonstrations, one in Germany and one in Spain, where there's a lot of uh, videos and pictures and fact sheets uh, that are useful. And look, the, you know, these are things that could be used in discussion groups or, or um, you know, just to promote discussion um, as much as anything else. And again, I suppose just to highlight that there is a, you know, there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes in relation to these innovations. So here, you know, there was there was um, a lot of work done looking at uh, not just academic research, but also at what we call the grey literature. So that would be um, reports done by various agencies and organisations that haven't been published in academic literature, but are available elsewhere. And um, so there was a, um, a lot of work done to identify those and the evidence. Um, is available within within a database. So if you're particularly interested in animal health and welfare, I'd suggest that you um, have a look at this link here and you can go straight to the 37 minutes and 47 seconds uh, to get more information from the expert in animal health and welfare um, from Alexander Reek. And just this is another one that um, was actually mentioned at our review meeting yesterday and somebody said, oh, that might be of interest to the Irish farmers. This was um, a solution to improve water quality. And if you just go on to our Bovine Knowledge Hub, uh, you can find that very clearly and you can see that the, the photographs and the images there. And this is just something I want to highlight here. This is a demo. Um, so this is where we um, actually got um, one of the, the solutions that are coming from the, the research side and that were put into practice on farm. So they have um, been brought, I suppose, further along. So if you see demo, it means that it's a research innovation that has been put into practice. Um, and I, and uh, that obviously, I suppose, would um, enhance um, potential uptake because, you know, it, it has been put into practice um, and obviously would be more useful. So this is, we're shifting gear here now, we're looking at environmental sustainability and looking at what we did around that. And this is, um, this presentation is structured a little bit differently to the animal health and welfare because the if, if you, you can use the resources of, of bovine, I suppose, to, to bring a, um, a, a holistic solution together. Um, so if we look at the, the environmental sustainability, I suppose one of the first things we can do is try to figure out how do we measure it. And in bovine, we have documented quite a number of tools that can be used to measure it. Some of those are suitable at uh, kind of across a whole heap of uh, countries and regions, and some are more specific to individual countries and regions. And obviously, the more specific they are, the more accurate that they're likely to be. But, you know, there are trade-offs and all of that. So we've kind of profiled uh, a number of them on, on uh, in bovine. And this one here, Cap Tuzer, uh, where you see the flags there, that means that that has actually been uh, demonstrated in practice in the countries that are represented by those flags. Um, so that was quite a popular tool uh, for taking and demonstrating. But then I suppose, you know, once we've measured it, the next thing is to try and see about how can we de decrease the carbon footprint. And look, some of you are aware of a lot of these already, but what we did was we put a list of them together. And um, as you see here, these are the research innovations. These are the ones that are coming from research as opposed to having been put into practice on farms yet. But these were demonstrated in the various countries that are members of the bovine consortium. So we have more insights into how they, they could actually work and practice in different countries. And these ones here, the good practices, they have all been put into practice on farm already. So we know that the, the farmers have confidence in them and that they work in them. So I'm not going to go through the details of them here, but I think it's just to show that we do have a, a range of solutions 
uh, brought together in one place uh, that can help to reduce um, enteric um, emissions um, on farm. And just to get, go through some of the examples that are there, um, obviously we know feed management is one of the key solutions and we have looked at uh, linseed. And the other one there in the middle is actually a local one that was uh, done in Belgium and it um, uses rapeseed and brewer's grains um, in terms of feeding animals. And then the seaweed is one that some of you will be familiar with as a result of ongoing work within Chagask um, as well. So you know, there's a number of areas that we're looking, looking at there. Um, and then there's the, the various additives, the nitrates and those as well. And the bovair, that was that's one that has already been improved in dairy, uh, but hasn't yet been improved, approved in beef, as far as I know. So we've just you know, documented those and um, I suppose reported those and they're available there as solutions. So then if you move beyond uh, the, the uh, carbon um, reduction or the emissions reductions, we're looking at carbon sequestration. Again, we have a list of research innovations and good practices there. And some of those have been demonstrated um, in practice. So if you're particularly looking for solutions around carbon sequestration, you have a set of them already identified there uh, with videos. And so, you know, again, as I said, they could be useful for farmers and discussion groups. You can talk about solutions that have been implemented elsewhere. How might they be adapted? How might they be suitable for Ireland? Would they even be suitable for Ireland? Um, so I think there's just very useful resources um, there. And sorry, just trying to get one second. Okay. And then um, obviously in terms of we're not just interested in emissions, we're also interested in biodiversity. We have a whole heap of research innovations and good practices there, uh, ranging from the using drones to map meadowbirds to uh, beetle banks. Um, and you'll see there's a whole heap of um, different solutions that have been put into place in different countries. Um, and, you know, the, the, they're documented in a very practical way uh, to help with um, being, being implemented into practice. And these are just some, some nice images associated with those. I think the dung beetle, that's an example for Portugal. And we know that dung beetles can help uh, reduce uh, methane emissions and also improve soil fertility. Uh, the net boxes for bats is a nice example there farming with barn owls that's something I think we've had some discussions in Ireland on already in the flower zones and those we're, we're well familiar with but I think you know the idea is that, you know we, we have a, a list of small changes which if implemented um, can you know can can um, improve biodiversity on farms um, over time. Another area in terms of environmental sustainability, obviously, is water quality and uh, reducing nutrient leaching. We have, an, again, a number of solutions there, and they have been put into practice in different countries as well. So there's a range of, 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 um, of possible solutions there. I'm not saying we have all the solutions. These are just ones that were collected through the bovine project um, and could, I suppose, form the basis of, of a starting point or a, a discussions for um, on, on the topic. This was a nice kind of example here um, from uh, Greece, I think. Um, so the, um, obviously, maize is a feed that um, is used in some countries to feed animals and there was a problem with cover crops. I know we don't grow a lot of maize here, but I mean, the, I think that the point that has been made here is kind of useful for us to be thinking about and it just it's an inspiration for thinking about other solutions and um, so the problem with is if you're harvesting maize late you can't really get your cover crops in and um, so what they did here was they they sowed the the cover crops at the same time as the the maize they sowed it um simultaneously or um later on and this is just some of the results that they they found and um, so they found that it was quite a, a a good way of doing that 
So if, if we've gone through the various measures um, with regards to improving environmental sustainability, um, maybe we need to be looking at incentivizing uh, these various practices. And we had a look at um, a whole range of uh, measures that are in place for rewarding farmers. Um, and they, they're all documented um, on, the, on the, the Bovine Knowledge Hub as well. But um, Riet, um, who was responsible for this uh, particular area, she, she put de developed a very nice graphic um, that, that illustrates the, the various mechanisms that could be put in place to help farmers meet their environmental standards. Um, it looked at ones at European level and then ones that are more kind of adapted to local conditions. And I suppose suggest that maybe there could be more local supports uh, for those um, and then there are, you know, the potential for private investors also to be involved um, in the reward system. So I think even just that conceptually, that, con that conceptual way of looking at the reward systems um, is very useful. And we have different examples of those um, on, on the Knowledge Hub as well that I suppose can be useful in terms of thinking about what other alternatives and what other ways can we think about uh, rewarding farmers for meeting um, environmental um, stand requirements. So, um, yeah, it's getting towards the end of the presentation now. It's just about, you know, talking about where, where you can find this information. So all the information on the priority topics, the good practices and the research innovations is available on the Bovine Knowledge Hub. Um, and that's uh, hub.bovine.eu.net. Um, and look, just, you know, the, it's, it's a very um, user-friendly, well, reasonably user-friendly um, uh, resource it's open access to all there's a search facility there and it's organized really around those four themes we actually have uh, some multilingual material um, available for um, others as well um, but I suppose you know the, the point I want to make too is that, you know this is a resource that is being used uh, the number of users to date is over is about three and a half thousand and the number of page views that they have is 6.3 pages but I suppose it's what's really particularly interesting is that they spend actually nearly six minutes on the site on average which is very long really and um, so I think you know just it is a resource that is being used and I would encourage all of you to to, to make sure to use it um, as well. We have a website as well as the um, the hub, and you can access the hub through the through the website. But um, we have um, on that as well. We have webinars across the the various thematic areas. We have animations um, as well across the thematic areas, and we have a lot of uh, videos um, that are available to be used as well. Um, and they're hosted on our YouTube site. Um, so just I suppose to highlight the, the number of videos that we have. This we have twenty videos um, at least in relation just the animal health and welfare topic. Um, alone. And um, so I think it's just, you know, to highlight, there's a lot of uh, useful audiovisual material there. So look, I think this this resource, hopefully, I, you know, certainly is of use to farmers and advisors and hopefully is of use to a lot of others as well. The catalogue, there's a catalogue of abstracts, which documents all the research innovations and good practices. So you can look through that um, as well as looking through this, the, the according to the priority topics um, or, the, or the, the search terms. Um, and look, you're welcome very much as well to contact the network managers that are identified or the thematic working group leaders for further information on the, the materials that are available as well. And you can click there to, to, to um, enter the hub uh, through, through the website. And I suppose just um, one of the, when Mark Moore, he's the editor of Today's Farm, um, when he put an article in it, 
to get helped us to put an article together in today's farm recently. And when he was looking through the hub, he said, you know, I felt like a nerd. He said he had great fun just looking through it, seeing what was available. So I would just encourage all of you to, to be the bovine nerd. Just go and have a look on the hub, see if there's something of use to you. And, you know, just just uh, see, you know, what are the issues that are affecting farmers across Europe? What are the solutions that they're putting in place? And uh, hopefully it'll be something that... Um, that hopefully that'll be something that you'll be able to take away to help to improve the sustainability of the beef sector in Europe. Um, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank those who, um, who provided slides for this presentation, Alexandra Reek from FLI, Reed Desmet and Karen Goosens from Ilvo, Rhonda Smith from Minerva and Maite Quiller from Intia. And then I just want to acknowledge Richard Lynch, uh, who was the bovine project manager. Uh, many of you will might know him from his time spent in Grange. And he's actually continuing work with Chagas now on a, on a very different area, working on um, the Valpro Path project. I want to thank Kevin Kinsler, who is the Irish network manager, um, facilitating a lot of the work that we did here in Ireland as part of the EU project. And all members of the bovine consortium, members of our technical working groups, and many of you in Ireland who would have participated in our events um, over the last three years um, as well. So thank you very much. It's uh, an example, I suppose, of, of the type of project that the EU are trying to, to I suppose, uh, innovate in, in where they're bringing farmers, they're bringing multi-actors to, to, uh, to bear on, on, I suppose, some of the big issues. How easy was it to, to bring all those actors together? And, and I suppose... A lot of it was done during COVID time, I suspect, as well. So there probably wasn't too many face-to-faces. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, the, we want to have a multi-actor approach, but I suppose the the main thing you have to do is start off at the start by very much ensuring that you have farmers involved from the start. And we actually, before we even put the proposal together, we talked to farmers here in Ireland. We had a workshop here in Ashton and involved um, farmers, advisors, uh, people from um, Animal Health Ireland, various other um, stakeholders as well to help to see is this something that we should do and kind of if we were going to do it kind of how should we organize it and structure it so we did that from the outset so like and then as I suppose one of the key things that we did was we we appointed some a network manager across each country and they were people who took responsibility for engaging with farmers and they were people for whom engaging with farmers was the day job so there's no point in just appointing somebody to that role it has to be somebody who's engaging with them on a day-to-day basis and I suppose you know COVID you know it, it brought opportunities as well as I suppose limited our activities in one sense it meant that we couldn't go out and meet a lot of farmers but then obviously you know more than the, the signposts series we had online events and that worked very well I mean we had uh, three national meetings here in Ireland um, and uh, I think we had over 100 farmers at each of those meetings and and they were able to join in kind of in the evening at eight o'clock or whatever but if we had that in an individual location I would say if we had 30 or 40 farmers we'd have been doing very well so I suppose you know technology has facilitated that engagement mm. but um, obviously the quality of the engagement is different um, but it, it certainly was useful in, in some context and, and I suppose in an international context um, as well it was very useful because Zoom actually has a functionality that you can uh, have simultaneous translation and our last event that we had in Brussels we had simultaneous translation in the nine different languages uh, so we were able to have farmers from all across Europe involved as well so um, COVID did did give, give us some nice kind of benefits as well. Just to remind people to, to submit your questions using the, the, the questions and answers uh, it strikes me that 
we often talk about getting stakeholders involved in I suppose directing and guiding our, our research topics this looks like a a very structured approach to finding out what those real research needs were. And, and I suppose, has there been any outcome of that in, in uh, consultation with researchers to identify what key issues need, need to be resolved? Well, yeah, we produced a peer-reviewed publication, I suppose, based on it. I suppose that's, that answers your question fairly much, I suppose. But I suppose the key, what we were trying to do was trying to blend, I think, the different sources of knowledge. And if you remember, we were talking about, you know, the good practices, which are coming from farmers, and that's a particular type of knowledge. And then we were trying to blend that with the scientific knowledge that was coming from uh, the, the scientific community. So I think we, we had to structure it then so that we had a, a systematic process whereby we gathered those two sources of knowledge. But the key thing then was trying to blend the two sources of knowledge together um, as well. So we would have had, um, that That was kind of how we did in the bovine project. Then we had various meetings whereby we, you know, engaged with each other in workshops and trying to bring all of that together. So like it's, it, it does sound simple in practice, but you do have to be quite structured. And even if you remember those slides where I was talking about the grassroots needs, you know, it sounds very simple that you go out and ask farmers what they want, but you have to go out and ask them what they want within certain parameters. And then you have to, I suppose, you know, reframe those into something that is a researchable question if you like you know so there's quite a lot of work to be done to even get to those grassroots needs so there, there is a systematic process and there's a constant reflection as well in terms of trying to make the, the process more efficient because we started off with a bells and whistles approach but then we realized really you know we have to simplify it and um, so you know there's constant kind of reflection as well to to, to improve that the process and i suppose a lot of the the solutions or a lot of the issues revolve around policy are there implications for policy in in the work that you have done absolutely yeah no i think and i think a lot of the if you think back to the the priority topics that we were talking about like they very much resonate with the themes of the green deal um, you know, the, the, the fair distribution of price and things like that. That was one of the thematic areas that we addressed within the, the socioeconomic resilience. And I think a lot of the, for example, if we think about the, the solutions in relation to the environmental sustainability, some of those could very much be pulled out um, and brought into um, the to be paid within the cap. So we know we know that one of the examples um it was a, one of the people in, in Portugal came to one of our meetings in Spain. And as a result of that, and one of the solutions that they found to environmental sustainability, that's now included as a measure uh, for which farmers are getting paid in Portugal. Um, so I think there are, you know, if, if, if people want to look through the solutions and pull out some of those and, and propose them as uh, measures for which they could be rewarded, that's one way that, that it can ha have a policy impact. Alan, some questions starting to, to come in there. Yeah, um, I suppose uh, one in one in here is um, how do you actually get on the hub? Um, is there a website with videos on it, etc., that people can access easily? Well, it's www.bovine-eu.net, um, and the, you can get that's our website, and you can get onto what's called the Bovine Knowledge Hub. Through that, that's where most of the content is, and all of the videos are hosted on there, and they're hosted on our YouTube and uh, website. So that's if you get onto the website, you can get from there onto the hub, and you can access the, the various videos and animations and all of that th okay. through that as well. There's another one in here. Um, was there any prioritization of the solutions done as part of the project, or is the process left to the individual farmer and their advisor, for example, to decide? 
No, absolutely. We're just proposing the solutions. And remember, these are solutions that were identified from across Europe, reflecting all the different production systems as well. So they may not be suitable for Ireland. But I suppose that's not necessarily the point either. You know, I think if I, it could be very useful to, to look at some of the solutions that are put in place for, say, various in, intensive fattening systems and try to see, you know, why do they suit those systems and why do they not suit our systems? And is there something that we can even take from them, even if it's in a different production system context? So I, I don't think any of these solutions are meant to be taken and implemented as they are. They absolutely should be uh, thought about in the context of your, your own farm and in discussion with the advisor. And, and uh, you might have noticed that we talk about good practices as opposed to best practices, because um, what's best in one context isn't best in another context. So I would think absolutely, you know, it should be it's up to the farmer to decide what their needs are, to think about what the solutions might be and to, to in consultation with your advisor or others to determine is that solution appropriate for your context. Okay. Um, another question there. Has there been any assessment of the efficacy of the solutions being proposed? And can users find out which solutions achieve the best outcome for their own uh, individual problem? Yeah, no. Well, we didn't actually do an impact assessment um, on any of the solutions. However, um, some of the solutions uh, could, would be linked back to scientific evidence that would talk about the solutions. So we were just coming up with you know, what is the potential solution? But we didn't evaluate them, but some work may have been done, particularly for the research innovations to evaluate them. So if you go into to the solution and click through to the various links that um, are associated with those, you will get some more information. Now, that, that information may not be available in all cases, uh, but it, there should be some uh, background um, material that's associated with the solutions that can give further further um, evidence of them. But but absolutely, we're, we're not saying that these are the best solutions um, and we're not saying that those solutions will result in the greatest, greatest reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. That wasn't the, the purpose of this project and we'd have needed another 20 or 30 million, I would say, to, be, to, to have done yeah. that. Okay. Okay. I suppose one of the things that strikes me is the prominence that uh, animal health and welfare uh, got in 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 the the, the project, and uh, I suppose it reflects a, a growing realization of that as a, as a as a, a key issue. Uh, were farmers, um, I suppose, at the forefront of of the the issues there, or is it something that they're already they're coming to the table with? Or, or is it something that there was a high level of realization of as a as an issue? Um, well, I suppose that this presentation did highlight the animal health and welfare ones, but I think our, our focus was across the four thematic areas. Um, and I suppose the, when you think about it as well, the animal health and welfare ones were ones that were, were easy to, um, it was relatively easy to find solutions to them um, because there were very specific problems. Um, so I suppose they lent themselves quite well to um, uh, solutions and demonstrations and 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 the creation of videos and um, some of you might remember um and, and some of the national meetings we talked about the dummy calf and the madigan squeeze that was one that was very popular and it was just a nice kind of idea it was um the idea is that uh, you know a, a, an animal when they're born sometimes they can be quite lethargic and there was an innovation uh, 
race, racing animals, they, you, you tie them up um, and restrict their breathing using a rope. And then you, they, they go into kind of a, a sleep and you release the rope after a number of, I think it's 10 or 15 minutes. And then the calf jumps up miraculously and it's fine. But this had been put into practice on a racehorse. Um, and then there was a vet who was part of the project did that for calves as well and we had videos around that but because it was such a nice neat kind of solution it was one that kind of I suppose that, that took legs and um, so I suppose I, I wouldn't like to say that animal health and welfare is the focus of bovine it's one of the four topics and I suppose just to be mindful of the, the nature of the the, the uh, the nature of the challenges and the nature of the solutions and how they might lend themselves to to I suppose the creation of audiovisual material because the socioeconomic resilience one for example where uh, one of the ones was around um, trying to improve the image of beef you know that that's a much more complex problem um, and I suppose in terms of trying to find solutions you know you don't have videos and and audiovisual materials around that but we did have a number of of solutions kind of that are put put in there as well. Uh, but farmers definitely are very conscious of animal health and welfare. And it's, it's a, we had an excellent partner from FLI in Germany. If anyone is interested in, in that topic, you know, an excellent partner there. And their, their institution is all about animal health and welfare. It was specialised in that area. And so we, we were very fortunate to have, have excellent partners and very specialised in that area there. And I presume it, it's uh, in terms of uh, advisors and advisors working with their, their clients, there's uh, materials in there and, and uh, I suppose, implications for advisors in, in terms of the use of that material. Yeah, and um, just one of the things that we did as well, which isn't highlighted here, is that we looked at the, the solutions and looked at how they impacted on other areas. So, for example, we, we know kind of the, the ones that gets thrown out is, you know, if you're improving environmental sustainability, you're going to disimprove your economic sustainability. You know, that's kind of a perception that's out there. But what we did was we tried to map the um the, the solutions across the, the four thematic areas to see if they had a synergistic effect or not. Um, and one of the things that we found was, you know, there are quite a number of synergies across areas. So if we do something in one area, it can have a positive impact in another aspect of sustainability. And what that brought home to us was, I suppose, the need to think about advisory from going back to the old kind of farm systems perspective, we, you know, we, we obviously have specialist advisors and we do need those specialist advisors, but maybe we need to think about our, our system, you know, think about the farm system a little bit more. And instead of coming along with a solution for a particular problem, we think about that solution in the context of other impacts on the farm as well. So maybe there's a need for, and this was a recommendation that came from our colleagues in Ilvo in the Netherlands, maybe there's a need to have um, advisors that are more focused on the farm system as opposed to being specialists in particular areas. Um, and that, you know, uh, and, and to be thinking about these issues much a bit more holistically um, into the future. So that was just one of the, 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 the recommendations that came out. It was a, an IFA Chavisk, uh, were the two organisations involved here. Was there a similar mix of organisations involved in, in the other partner countries? Yeah, and uh, we, that was part of the deliberate structure that we set up. We wanted to make sure we had what we called um, kind of a research institution or university combined with um, a farming organisation or advisory body because we wanted to have that blending of the two different sources um, of knowledge. So in each country, we set up that that pairing, and I think that actually worked worked very well. 
the, like these these in each of these countries, they might necessarily have known each other or worked with each other. So I think that's a nice kind of legacy of bovine now too. There are those kind of nice networks set up in each of the countries, and I think you know those contacts will will continue into the future as well. And I suppose the the, the question about the future is. Do you see a scope for for follow on work, or has it has the project identified uh, issues that need to be tackled uh, uh, going forward? Yeah, and and the the present the the start of the presentation where I talked about grassroots needs. I mean, there's a lot of um, areas there that we didn't tackle. Um, so I think there are a lot of opportunities there for for new projects and um, potentially, you know, um, um, operational groups. I think if they had a look at the list of grassroots needs, it could be ideas for them to establish grass um, to establish operational groups. Um, and as I said, that the, the resources are going to be available for the next five years. Um, you know, there will be no, new solutions into the future, but we're not going to be able to add those to, to the to the website. But if people are aware of new solutions, they can actually uh, comment um, in in the knowledge hub and maybe just uh, point people to, to some other um, solutions that are there. Um, maybe as well. Put Alan, I put you on the spot. I know you're here, here to 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 uh, ask questions, but uh, what you've seen uh, and you're working with with farmers in a very innovative way on a on a on a daily basis. Do you see Anna or something in the approach and and in the resource that will would be of help to you in in your work? I do, yeah, definitely. And I mean, a lot of what I suppose Maeve has been working on in terms of bovine. You know, we'd be always looking to implement those type of practices on farm. I mean, if you take a lot of what some of the focus there, they tie in well with the environmental schemes. Um, you know, the new circular cow scheme in terms of you know carbon efficiency and in terms of the new acre scheme. There's a lot of tie-ups with the two. So there's a huge. There's it's an easy sell to a lot of farmers, I reckon, especially in the dry stock sector. Uh, there was a, a focus, I think, in, in one of the areas, uh, one of the areas of focus was in, in relation to, to your, your breeding uh, and, and, and your genetics. Uh, are, do farmers across Europe see uh, that as, a, a, as more a profitability issue or as a sustainability issue or a little bit of both? Or do they realize that there is a, a significant scope for uh, improved sustainability arising from uh, effective breeding? It's probably a little bit of both, and I think they very much, you know, recognise. Um, well, you know, those people who know, kind of, are interested in the area would recognise a lot of the, the excellent work that's come out of Ireland, and a lot of the good practices and research innovations reflect, um, the, you know, the work that Chaga Sky CBF and others have been doing as well. So we 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 would have, you know, obviously, in addition to trying to gather knowledge, we would have contributed knowledge based on what's going on here in Ireland. Um, and uh, what 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 farmers are using there? So you know, calf's own. What is it? Calf's own worth? Is that the what's the cow's own? What is it called? The the, the calf own calf's own worth. Isn't there something around that where you value the the calf based oh, on sorry, the CBV CBV CBV? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would have contributed those examples to the knowledge hub um, as well. So I think that you know the there was. A lot of what we're doing in Ireland, I think, would be recognised as being as being at the forefront um, in that space, and we would have contributed that knowledge um, to to the to the to the to the hub. And how much of a departure was it for the IFA to be involved in in a, a project like this? I suppose it's it's in a, a research demonstration project. It's not not where their uh, I suppose their their history is. Uh, 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I know that they are involved in another project uh, that we're involved in as well called Plutus, working with farmers down in the Dingle Peninsula. Um, so look, yeah, it, it, it was it was a new departure for them. But um, I suppose Kevin Kinsler is, was synonymous with the, the beef sector and trying to work with them. And um, I suppose I'd been looking to work with him for a number of years and recognised, you know, the very good connections that he had and the environmental committee that existed within um IFA as well and we had fantastic support from them like Brendan Golden and the other people involved in the Livestock Committee they were very very supportive and I think it was a very useful channel uh, to get to farmers uh, in addition to the, Ch- the Chagas channels I think it was very useful to engage with IFA to, to, um, to, to have that collaboration and that engagement with farmers um, in Ireland. And was there opportunities for for individual farmers to uh, discuss issues with peers across Europe or was it very much uh, a local based filtering of of, of issues and ideas up to through through the expert group? group? Uh, Well, we had those national meetings um, and that I suppose that was the opportunity really to to link in at at grassroots level with farmers. Uh, But we also the intention was to bring farmers to the meetings and but COVID obviously kind of created difficulties with that so we just it was we didn't really get to bring many farmers with us uh, to the various events but we brought um we brought a Martin Martin my brain isn't working Martin Merrick no that's what's from the farmer's journal I'm not no (laughs) my brain isn't working right there but uh, they, they, we they, we actually had a nice connection with the Farmers Journal uh, from the outset through Adam Woods, and uh, the idea was that we um, would have a what we called a committed media partner in each country as well to help to make sure we were getting the information out to farmers. So that was a very important uh, challenge uh, channel for us as well. Okay, I think we've, we've exhausted most of the questions. Listen, thank you very much. It's, it's. I think the, the approach, and there's as much to be learned from the approach that you've taken in uh, taking on other issues and and bringing together a, a base of knowledge, which which can be there then right right into the future. Uh, and I think there are potentially a lot of other issues that could. Uh, uh, do with the, the, the same sort of treatment. So listen, thank you very much, Maeve. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks, Alan, for the, the, the help with the, the, the questions. Uh, just to let you know, uh, next Friday is is St. Patrick's Day. So we won't be coming to you on Friday. We'll be coming to you on, th- on Thursday morning in, in, instead. And uh, next Thursday morning, we'll be joined by Dr. Stefan Giesen from Wageningen and Professor Andrew Neal, from Rottenstead uh, Research, and they'll be looking at at the very topical issue of of, uh, managing uh, uh, soil health. Uh, And we do have a a number of events coming up in relation to to soil health over the the next uh, short period uh, in Ireland and uh, um, some legislation on the way in relation to soil health. So it's going to be a very topical uh, issue in, in, in the coming year. So listen, thank you very much for for joining us this morning. I hope we don't inconvenience you next week by by changing the day and that you can join us on on the Thursday morning. And uh, with that, I'll just say thank you to our our production team this morning of of, uh, Mary O'Loughlin and and Andy Boland. And uh, until next week, uh, stay safe and we'll, we'll see you in a week's time. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series 
the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.